What an awesome day to be together to worship and to celebrate. A day of hope in Jesus Christ. We're going to be looking in Luke 24 this morning as we look at resurrection responses. Just say a quick word. On Wednesdays at 6, we have a meal for $4. And then afterward, this particular Wednesday, I encourage you to come and be a part of this. We're going to have testimonies on when the cross became clear to you. When did all of this make sense? The message of Jesus Christ, the hope of a resurrected Lord, of, of new life. And encourage you, I would love, as many of us, would love to hear your story. When did the cross become clear? encourage you to come and join us to be a part with that. But Let's look in Luke 24 for our reading this morning. I want to read verses 30 through 35. So I'm going to ask when you find that text to stand in God's honor, as I read aloud. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? and opened the Scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the leaven and those with them assembled together, and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way, and how Jesus was recognized by them when He broke the bread. Let's pray. Lord, we come to You We all have our mess. We all have our issues. But thank you, Lord, that your love and grace extend no matter the story. Because history is about his story. The story of death to resurrection. The story of an empty tomb. The story of life where once there was only death. And that's why we're here. Master, uh, I pray that you continue to work as you already have in this service. We just want to see Jesus. We just want to worship you. So I I just pray that you might be glorified and honored in our time here. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Life has those moments that are an aha. Take your breath away moments. Um, I remember back when I was a kid, we were watching on TV and it was showing some footage of when Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. And there was a lady in there that was the housekeeper from my friend's house. And she got really angry at me. And I said, so that's when uh, Neil Armstrong walked on the moon? Because she was totally convinced it was all a scam. And it was made up. And, and man had never been on the moon. I mean, how could they get there anyway? And so for her, it wasn't real. Back in September 11th, 2001. Where were you? We all remember. I was headed to Mechanicsville Hospital uh, to see several church members. I remember walking in the room and there it was on the television set. I couldn't believe it. And I I remember going home that afternoon and, and Cindy and I just sitting in front of the TV set for an hour at lunchtime and just watching over and over again that horrible 
trauma, those planes crashing into those towers. And it did happen. We thought that couldn't happen here. And it did happen here. It did happen. Then there was a time we were watching David Copperfield and he made his jet plane disappear. Now, magicians make big things disappear, but a jet plane? But I don't think he really made it disappear. I read somewhere it had something to do with netting and a certain way of using lights. I don't know. But the greatest event of all is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we are here this morning to celebrate the truth of that event. And, and we want to look at this morning on several instances where people do fail to believe. The first is some consider Jesus, but simply do not believe other than... Con- they consider Him as a part of history, but not a part of hope. There's a story about a burglar who broke into a home, and as he was moving along quietly inside of the home to be undetected. You heard a voice. Be careful. Jesus is watching you. Be careful. Jesus is watching you. He was scared to death. Finally, he cut on his flashlight and turned and saw a parrot. And he said, are you the one talking? And the parrot said, yes. And he says, are you Jesus? He said, no, I'm Moses. He said, what kind of person would name their parrot Moses? He said, I guess the same kind of person that would name their pit bull Jesus. He was going to find out about Jesus. Jesus the pit bull. There are those who look at Jesus as a person of history, but they miss that He is much more than just something in a textbook. He's hope. Look in verse 13 of Luke 24. It says, Now that same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus Himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing Him. In this case... Jesus did not open their eyes for that meeting as they walked along the road. But today there are many that don't recognize the true identity of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, they they really aren't open to hearing about Him or learning about them. Their hearts and their minds are closed. H.G. Wells years ago wrote, I am a historian. I'm not a believer, but I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all history. So although he wasn't a believer, he considered Jesus. And then there are those, like John Lennon of the Beatles. He said, Christianity will go, it will vanish and shrink. I need not argue with that. I'm right and I'll be proved right. We're more popular than Jesus now. I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. And with all respect to Lennon's music, I've listened to a lot of Beatles tunes. Um, He's not still here. Jesus is alive. And He is among us. And He is our hope. 
What is it that keeps people from recognizing Jesus? We can't recognize unless He opens our hearts and He opens our eyes to His identity, to who He is. This is from 1 John 2.15. He says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. There are those so trapped and enslaved by the cravings of this world, they don't have hope. They don't see that what lies beyond this moment is eternity and, and is life and forgiveness. And someone that loves you, no matter where you've been or what you've done, He loves you. And that is so freeing and that's such a hope. And so many don't recognize that as they chase wanting to find love, wanting to find purpose, wanting to find just a reason to be here. And He's it. God is it. All along as people's eyes are closed in this quest for, the, for seeking the world. Uh, a guy asked uh, D.L. Moody, a famous evangelist of another generation, he says, now that I'm converted, must I give up the world? And Moody answered, he said, no, you need not give up the world. He said, if you give a ringing testimony for the Son of God, the world will give you up pretty quick. They'll not want you around. First Peter 5.8, he, he says, be self-controlled and alert, your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. One of the biggest lies out there is not trying to convince people there is no God, not trying to convince people there is no hell. Probably one of the biggest battles is to convince people that there's time to make a decision. The truth of the matter is, none of us know how much time we have here. Eternity is around the corner. And we don't know when we'll walk into eternity. We don't know when we're going to face Him. We don't know when what we think will last forever here is no more. And we stand in His presence. And that is coming. That is coming. And that has to be considered with Jesus. He's more than just a person on the pages of a book. He's life eternal. He's the resurrection and the life. And our hope of life forever with God the Father rests in Jesus Christ. That, that's where it is. Uh, secondly, there are those who know Scripture, but they don't really believe it in their lives. There are those who hear the, the words of Scripture, but it, it doesn't connect to the heart. It doesn't reach down deep. As Jesus walked among with these disciples, this is from Luke 24, 25 through 27, it says, He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter His glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He explained to them what was said in all the Scriptures concerning Himself. The Scriptures point to Jesus. And as he talked about the Scriptures, he spoke about how God spoke to different people, how He worked through different events. But it all was coming to one truth. He was sending a Savior. He was sending a Messiah. He was sending hope. And that's why we're here to worship that one who's brought hope by overcoming death and rising from the grave in Jesus Christ. That's where the Scriptures point. And, and we live in an age where 
there is still a reverence and a respect for the Bible, but we don't know what the Bible says many times. So many times we don't read the Bible. Uh, this, is, this is actually 11 years ago, a study by George Barna. And listen to this. This is uh, disconcerting to me as a preacher. But in this study, they found out 48% of the people could not name the four Gospels. That's almost half of Americans don't know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 52% cannot, cannot identify more than two or three of Jesus' disciples. 60% of American Christians can't name even five of the Ten Commandments. 61% of American Christians think the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Billy Graham. Wow. of Americans think God helps those who help themselves is a Bible verse. And he concluded by saying, Americans revere the Bible, but by and large, they don't know what it says. It's no wonder many don't believe the Bible. They don't know it, so how could they believe it? So you know more than you may have thought you knew. And... My encouragement, open the Bible. One of the great things, this new you know, uh, movie on TV, the Bible, uh, it's kind of interesting. I've talked to a number of people that have been watching it. And, uh, you know, I haven't seen but maybe 45 minutes of it. I enjoyed part of it. It's kind of funny because people are opening their Bibles. And there's, is that really what, you know, look in the Bible. Is that really what happened? And people are interested. They're once again looking in there and they're reading. They're trying to discover. And, and that, that is so needed. But speaking of Billy Graham, back in um, August of 1949, he was having some doubts about his own ministry. He was starting to wonder, do I really believe the Bible is inspired completely of God and that it is going to be the book of truth upon which I base everything that I do in my life, my preaching, and it all? (laughs) And and he writes this. He says... uh, I was so filled with doubts about everything that when I stood to preach and made a statement, I would say to myself, I wonder if that's the truth. I wonder if I can really say that sincerely. My ministry had gone. I then took the Bible up into the high Sierra Nevada mountains, and I opened it and got on my knees. I pled, Father, I cannot understand many things in this book. I cannot come intellectually all the way, but I accept it by faith to be authoritative, the inspired living Word of God. So he finally came to a moment and said, Okay, I don't understand every little detail, but I'm going to trust you. There's so much I don't understand, but I'm going to trust you. There's so much we don't understand. Why? How could he love me like he loves me? How could he put up with me like he puts up with me? Why would he come here to die for me? How in the world could he rise from the grave? He's God. He can do this stuff. And he he did it. He accomplished it out of love. Notice here, uh, back in the Scripture that we opened up with, that we read, when they came together in verse 30, they came to the table, took the bread, gave thanks, broke it. It says their eyes were opened. (laughs) They recognized Him. And then He disappeared from their sight. Verse 32, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while He talked with us on the road and opened the Scriptures to us? It says they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. <laughs> they found the eleven assembled together. They said, it's true! 
The Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. That's the, that's the, the story that we have. Is he risen? Is he Lord? But here's an important pronoun, guys. Is he my Lord? Is he Savior? Is he my Savior? Is, is all this true? Do, is this the truth to me? This, yeah, this, this is where we come to it. And as I close this message, as I come to the end of this, someone has said, if a man has a religion, he is bound to do one of two things with it. Give it up or give it away. If it isn't true, he must give it up. If it is true... He must give it away. Let's pray. Lord, uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 that if you are not risen, then we are the pitied above all. But praise be to God, you are alive. You are the risen one. And Father, I, I don't intend in any way to say I'm giving up because I believe in you and I want to give it away. And I pray you speak this morning, Father, to our hearts. Who do you want us to give this message away to, Lord? Father, maybe someone here, and you've heard about the message, but it's clicked this morning, and you said it's a message for me. For a new start, a new hope, a new life, because He overcame death. <laughs> and, and Father, uh, just work. Uh, we have an altar that's open, uh, Lord, for people who need to come and pray and Father, maybe there's something you won't set among your people as you work in hearts. And Father, we just want you to work. And we don't want to be in your way, Lord. And I thank you for this glorious time to worship. And Father, this is a, a reverent time too as your spirit works. So Father, we give you freedom. We ask you to touch our hearts, to explore to the deepest parts and reveal to us how we need to follow you. And Father, may it happen this morning. Lord, as we prepare to stand and sing, may we worship you and may we say yes to whatever you want of us, Lord, because you are life. In your name we pray. Amen.